Is this where I begin? Uh, no, we'll have an intro. Um, uh, good evening. Today is Wednesday, uh, January 26th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's step is step four, and our speaker tonight is Esther. Thank you so much, Esther. Thank you so much for asking me to join you tonight. Uh, my name is Esther C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada, in Toronto, Canada. And I was asked today to share a little bit about my story and then to focus on step four. So briefly, I've been a compulsive overeater my entire life. I've never had a moment where I wasn't running to the food or running far away from the food. Either if I was enjoying it, I wasn't able to control it. And when I was controlling my food, I certainly wasn't enjoying it. Um, and being a, a fat child is pretty miserable existence. And I recall that the three things that characterized my childhood was the shame, pain, and hopelessness of, of what I was going through. Pain, obviously, you know, being fat in a world where people don't like uh, fat people. And the shame, really, because people would say to me, why don't you just stop eating, right? You're not happy, and you could just stop eating. And part of me was like, why don't I stop eating? I mean, I didn't want to be a fat teenager either. Um, and certainly the hopelessness of it, because I didn't know how to get out of this being stuck. Um, I have, you know, I tell my story in an expanded version. I give all the, you know, the gory details of what it's like to grow up um, fat and a compulsive overeater. So by the time I graduated high school, I realized I know how to lose weight, right? That doesn't take too much uh, brains, but I didn't know how to stop eating. So I figured there must be something wrong with me up here. And that's when I spent like the next 10 years in therapy, trying to figure out why I ate, because if I could figure out why I ate, I would stop eating. But of course, none of that worked. I spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of money. I, I can't say that I didn't learn anything valuable, but I did not find a way to stop eating. And by that point, I already was, you know, in my 20s, I married and had to start a family and then, oh, whoops. Whoops, I don't know what happened there. Um, by the time I was married and started a family, there were more people in my emotional orbit. So it wasn't like I could go to my room and slam the door and, you know, keep to myself. There were people who I was meant to look after and meant to be in significant relationships with. And things started to get worse. And just about every aspect of my life was affected by the eating. It wasn't just about being fat and not looking good in cute clothes. Um, emotionally, I was a wreck. I Spiritually, I was really in a very barren place, uh, definitely financially, right? If I, I, my top weight is about 260 pounds. That's about the size of two people at my height. So that's like eating for two. It's clothes in every size in my closet. It's all the food that I'm buying, um, not making good financial decisions, not really having a job for like a good number of years because I just couldn't put it, pull it together. And of course, not finishing school. So every aspect of my life was affected by the compulsive overeating. Finally, if we're going to shrink that story down, I ended up in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, and I came to a group that had a specific, you know, way of doing things, a specific way of eating. And at that time, it was fine with me. I came in, I did everything my sponsor told me to do, and within a couple of years, I lost all my weight. I was feeling amazing. Oh my gosh, there's all these people. They do what I do. They understand me. There's lots of love, and there's hugs, and there's outreach calls. And it was so cool. And I was on this great pink cloud. And after about a year after being at a healthy body weight, it wasn't so easy to be absent anymore. 
and I'm thinking, uh, what's going to be now? Uh, I, I started to feel like I wanted to eat again. And I was kind of arm wrestling with my sponsor about adding more food in or, or changing my food plan. And I was kind of starting to feel restless, irritable, and discontent again. So I said to myself, well, if you're going to be fat and miserable, I guess it's better, it, it, you know, better to be slim and white knuckling, you know, with white knuckled abstinence, I suppose. I didn't think there was anything else that was out there for me just to, you know, just be fighting with the food forever. Um, so I'm very grateful at that time. I, I landed upon a meeting where the focus was on the big book and in the shares that I heard people uh, sharing, they were talking about freedom from the food. And that was something that I had never thought possible. So I would say the greatest gift of the program is not that I lost the weight because you and I know very well how to lose weight. You just eat less and eat right and we'll lose weight. But the, for me, the greatest gift of the program is that I'm no longer um, a slave to the food. That that um, the, this great gift is that I don't follow the leftovers as I go back into the fridge. Food's not on my mind. The food that I eat satisfies me and I'm not thinking about the foods I can't eat. This is the greatest gift of the program. This is the transformation. And this is the what's the transformation that the big book is talking about. So what does the big book tell us will happen? How are we going to stop eating the same way the original founders stopped drinking? On page 25, it says... Um, uh, where is that? Actually, it's 27. How does this happen? How does it happen that a person who couldn't stop thinking of food doesn't think about food anymore? So here on page 27, it says ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begins to dominate them. So the big book is teaches us and tells us in a number of places is that through a psychic change, we become changed as people and we're no longer the people we used to be. And for me, it meant that I don't eat like I used to eat. So um, the way to um, accomplish or to um, achieve, or maybe a better word would be to experience the psychic change is through the steps as outlined in the first 164 pages of the big book. So quickly, the steps and step one, I admit that I'm powerless over food. My life is unmanageable because of my eating. And that's a conclusion I come to through the help of the, what I've read in the book and through some, some people have work to do. It's a conclusion I come to. Step two is another conclusion. I can't help myself. You can't help me. Only higher power can help me. So I better get a concept of higher power. Conclusion of step one. Conclusion of step two. So then in step three, what are we ready for? A decision. I make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of this higher power of mine because the way I've been doing it hasn't been working. And anyways, I decide I can't do it and higher power can. Do I know for sure higher power can? I don't know, but I look at all these other people who've done it, who's, you know, through the grace of their higher power. So then if that's the case, I ought to, you know, uh, follow the will of this higher power. Well, that sounds very easy, but what in the world does this higher power want from me? I don't know yet. But one thing I do know is when I'm blocked from higher power, I have no access to whatever higher power is gonna do for me. So the process of steps four through nine is to unblock me. Um, and the big book teaches us it's my character defects that block me. In step 10 are the things I do to continue to stay unblocked. Step 11 are the things I do to bring me closer to that higher power, to develop that loving um, relationship. And step 12, of course, is my way of sort of renewing the steps over and over by giving it over to someone else. Every time I give it away is as if I've done it again. And that's how, you know, it gets reinforced. And I and, and this way I get to go grow spiritually. 
So if we circle back to step four, because this is, I think, what you're reading, part where you're up to in the big book and reading, um, step four is the process that unblocks us from our higher power um, through the inventories. And it, we're, it's designed to remove those things that, um, that um, block us from the power that we need. So if we're you know, blocked by our character defects, why don't we just Google character defects? There'll come a list of like 175 of them and we'll choose like the 38 ones that apply to me. And I don't know, ask God to remove them. Why in the world do we have to do a resentment inventory, a fear inventory, sex inventory, to what, what does that have to do with anything? Why do I need to tell you what's making me mad? Well, um, this is actually uh, amplified more in the AA 12 and 12, the step four chapter. If you wanna know where you are not doing God's will or not accepting your higher power's will, look at the things that make you mad in the past or look at the things that are you know, worrying you or causing you to be fearful, like the things of the future. That's a good way to see where are you're sort of off beat with your higher power. So the point of uh, um, listing them is to analyze them. And then we could see in which areas we're sort of fighting higher powers will for us. And then uh, we could look at what ways of thinking, right, um, are standing in our way. We can discard them like we read on page 27 and we can replace them with new ways of thinking. So the inventory isn't to list um, all the things that make us mad to see who's right and who's wrong, because sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. And it isn't, I know people talk a lot about my part, my part, my part, as if in every resentment I have a part. No, if, if someone came and um, mugged me, right? There's no part in that. Oh, maybe I had nice earrings. That's why they tore them off my ear. No, it's, that's not what it's about. When we talk about my part, it's meaning my part is always the thinking part. And perhaps in that area, I have some work to do. But again, it's not about like, you know, I'm mad at my neighbor because his garbage, you know, was all over my back, you know, my front lawn. But of course, I think I didn't greet him. So that must be my part. And that isn't what the big book is teaching us. So that is in a nutshell, what we do in step four. Now, is that 10 minutes? Does someone tell me that? Yeah, 10 minutes, yes. I think that's what you're telling me. So, um, now we're talking about the, the big book is listing some character defects or what they call, you know, the core defects. And they're listing some instincts, which, you know, in, that are affected, you know, in our, and, 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 and so um, being affected, we become angry or fearful. Um, and again, the AA 1212 tells us that these are natural human instincts, right? There's nobody who doesn't just, um, have self-interest. We wouldn't be alive if we didn't. Um, so these are natural human instincts and everyone's got them. But the problem becomes, I think, when we don't get them to our specifications or in the amounts that we want. Like I always say, life is easy, except when there's other people, right? Like as long as everything's going my way, I've got no problem. Some there's all these other people and they're either not giving me what I want as much as I want, or perhaps they won't in the future and then I get fearful. So the um, this, the, step, uh, this fourth step allows us to look at um, some of the things that have happened to us that cause us to be angry or some of the things that are causing us to be fearful about the future and gives us an opportunity with specific questions. And you'll, you could read them on page like 65, uh, you know, from 65 to 68, specific questions that they asked us 
and you know, we were writing all this down and it, it should enlighten us, or at least it did for me as to our way of thinking. And I'll tell you that that's an amazing thing. And I'll tell you why it's an amazing thing, because again, back to that page 27 about the ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which are the guiding forces of our lives. That means that the quality of my life is, starts here, right? My thinking is going to determine how I'm going to view um, myself, the world about me, my life, etc. So I, anything could be going on, right? This is the, all the things that are causing me to be resentful and fearful, those things could continue, right? The people in my life, maybe you don't have people in your life that, you know, do things, but I certainly do. And they could be the very same people be doing the very same things. And I could even experience worse um, challenges in recovery than I did even before recovery. And I could still live a good life. And I, the reason I can do it is because it's not about anything else going on around me, but it's about the ideas produced here. Because the ideas, ideas in my head that I, I produce in my mind are going to um, generate a certain type of feelings, which generate you know actions on my part, and basically it snowballs into the kind of life that I live. So to me, the fourth step was a very, very enlightening process because, especially in that resentment um, inventory, where I got to look at that fourth column. For those of you who have done it. And to see where have I been dishonest? So obviously it means have I, you know, told any lies or, you know, withheld any information that needed to be shared. But dishonest to myself, like there are a lot of ideas and attitudes about life that I have that I picked up from other people that I picked up maybe from uh, unrecovered or unspiritual people around me, or even from television and the media, right? And these were the guiding forces of my life. They caused me to think. Uh, uh, a certain way. And then so sure enough, my life didn't unfold based on, you know, this way of thinking. And I'm angry about the past, fearful about the future. So this, this to me is a step that really um, is transformative. And in a sense, once we've done this, you know, this step in a big way, right. And then of course made, you know, quit, admitted what these defects are admitted to God that this way of thinking is not useful to him and our fellows in the seventh step and then made amends if they're amends to make. This, um, you know, I guess uh, nice chunk of steps, steps four through nine is, is kind of um, repeated in a, you know, a, a sort of a clean up version every day in my 10th steps, right? The big book keeps teach, teaches us, you know, once we've finished step nine, that this way of thinking and this way of approaching our problems is something that we need to continue every day. It's not like a one and done type of thing. So um, I could tell you that e even the most stubborn resentments and problems have been, um, I would not say solved because they could still be there, but I, I, I don't know. I have much more, many more challenges today than I even did growing up as a, you know, a, a fat little girl. And yet it doesn't seem, life doesn't seem so, onerous in that way, uh, the way it used to be. So um, that's really like a squeezing everything uh, about step four into, you know, a, um, into a nutshell. But um, as I said earlier, it was only when I did it as outlined in this big book that I achieved, you know, that relief and that I get to be, you know, in that recovered state. Now, recovered does not mean cured. I don't, I don't know that we ever minutes. get cured. Is that 15, uh, five more minutes? Yeah. Five more minutes. Thank you. I don't think that we ever get cured, but what the big book does promise us and the 10th step promises is that we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, which is good because I'm too tired to fight. Um, 
Sanity will, will have returned, which I'm very excited about. I'll seldom be interested in the book books, big books as liquor. For me, it's my binge foods. Um, I will recoil it from it as from a hot flame. I will react sanely normally, and I will find that this has happened automatically. I will see that my new attitude towards, in my case, my binge foods has been given without any thought or effort. We are not fighting it, nor, nor are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We've not even sworn off. The problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. This is our experience and how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So this is what's waiting for us when we do this process. Again, the big chunk of which is steps four through nine, right? Because that's where we actually sit down, put pen to paper, like the big book teaches us. So that's a great um, peaceful place to be. Um, I always say, if you have a solution to all your problems, then it doesn't really matter what your problems are. If you have no solution, then even the littlest thing could could set me set me off. So for me, um, the relationship with my higher power, I like to describe as there's a few different parables. You'll see which one is most meaningful to you, depending on your experience. You know, if you think about the waves um, and surfing, I've never surfed. Um, you know, you you got to catch the wave. If you catch the wave, I guess you have a great time. If you try to uh, do what you want, you're going to uh, spill over at the very least, at the most you could even drown. I, it's like sailing. I did do a little bit of sailing. So sailing, the wind is is in that sort of sense the one you have to follow, right? If you try to fight the wind, you're not going to get to where you want to go and you could you could tip over. And the thing about sailing, what I what I recall is that I can't tell you if I want to get from this side of the lake to that side of the lake. I have to do, you know, pull and push. Like, I, I don't exactly know what's going to be. I sort of got a sense for the wind of the wind and then I intuit which way I, you know, what I'm pulling, what I'm pushing. I just remember switching, you know, positions a lot. So I, you know, I don't know what the journey is going to look like. I just know that it's always about seeking the understanding of, of uh, and guidance from my higher power. And for those of you who have not done any of that water stuff, perhaps you remember skip, skipping rope. Any, anybody out there jump rope? So you remember like one, there was one person on each ends and they would turn the rope and the girls would go in and there was always the girls who couldn't get it, right? Because they jumped when they wanted to jump. No, you got to sort of get a sense that the rope's coming in and that's when you sort of step in and then, you know, as it's coming around, you jump. It's it's not about what I want. If I jump when I want to jump, you could jump whenever you want to jump, but you're going to, you know, you're going to be out, right? You don't have to take ends. So that's what, what life is about today. I, I don't have any um, prophetic visions or anything like that. And I don't get any mail that tells me what I have to do, but uh, building that relationship, especially in the 11th step is where I get to get a sense of what a higher power wants for me and live that peaceful life, which I have been dreaming of, you know, for the 30, I don't know, nine years till I came into program. And I'm grateful um, to share this with you. And I want to, and with that, I'll pass. Wow. Thank you so much, Esther C. That was fantastic. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing in questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or push star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. 
Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay. Okay, so we will start with Amy B followed by Sarah. Thank you so much, Victoria. And thank you, Kristen, both of you for your service tonight, Team Wednesday. Oh, I think, I think this is your last Team Wednesday. Thank you so much for your service this month. And Esther, thank you so much for your service tonight and that beautiful talk on step four. And, you know, it stuck out to me. You were talking about the step, the 10 step promises, no longer do we fight. And you said, I'm too tired to fight. I was actually having a conversation today with uh, a sponsee and I love working with others. I know we're talking about step four really, but step 10, step 12, it's a spiral staircase, right? Um, uh, uh, working with somebody else today, we were talking a little bit about step 10 and step nine, but really it applied to what you said about step four, about no longer do we fight. And you said, I'm too tired to fight. And unfortunately um, I'm not too tired to fight. Somehow I still love a fight. Um, instinctively, um, I, I, you know, like I convince myself it's for the underdog, like I'm defending the underdog. So I'm allowed to fight, but really, really, I'm just fighting. And I was having this conversation with a person and, um, the thing that came up was the idea that all the stuff in column two, the things that happen to us, the things that people do is like, like having a brick thrown at me. Like maybe I taunted the person and they threw a brick. Maybe they're just throwing bricks and I happen to get in the path. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that I got a brick thrown at me and um, that's neither good or bad. It's, it's what I, it's what I do. It's how I let it. It's how I let that event and my reaction to it. I can either a let it hit me or I can carry it around like a weight or I can trip over it but I can also use it to pave a path or to build a staircase. The brick might be the best thing, the best gift that I was given. And that's in step four, where I real, uh, column four of step four, where I realize that it's that turnaround. I can fight. I can stand and try and like break a brick with my head and maybe I'll break it. I got a pretty tough head, but like all I get is pain and scars. And I do believe this program and my higher power and this fellowship and the growth of all of this. I, I really believe that like every brick is a gift Every brick is a gift and it's step four that where that, where that discovery first started. And I'm just real grateful, um, real grateful to make these discoveries together and, and reflect on this stuff together. Thanks so much, everybody, for being here. I pass. Thank you, Amy. <clears throat> Next up, we're going to have Sarah. Hey, everyone. Esther, thank you so much for your share. Um, I actually really wanted to claim my seat today. I was talking to my sponsor today and um, talking about not being in the middle. And I wanted to, uh, I, I kind of live on the edges. And so I wanted to kind of push myself more towards the middle today. And when you said um, fearless moral inventory, you know, I, I'm constantly day by day taking 
uh, a moral inventory and the fearless part is the hard part for me. Um, I think for, for me, controlling and perfectionism and trying to be, trying to do everything in this program exactly right so that I can have a gold star actually really holds me back from making the program my own and absorbing the program. And so the fearless moral inventory comes into my daily life as I stop myself and connect to my higher power and try to get like an, a beam of higher intelligence as to what the right step for me is next and what the right next step and the next step and the next step, because, you know, I'll just, I'll just kill myself trying to be perfect. Um, but I, I love step four because I used to, when I, you know, 15 months ago, when I came into this program, I, I used to say that if you would appeal the skin on my face off, there would be like a reptile lady living underneath. I was, it was just nasty. And now because of step four and because of the honesty I have to have with myself all day, every day, if you were to peel my skin off, I think all you would see would be like hope. That's what lives inside me now. And, and, but I remember that reptile lady, man. Oh, anyway, thank you for letting me share. And um, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Sarah. Next up, we're going to have Nahaman Fallon. Fallon, I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, Esther, thank you so much for your share. Um, it really put in perspective step four for me, which um, I've done before in other programs, but in this program, for some reason, seems really, really daunting. Um, and it's nice to, to have someone kind of walk you through what it's going to be like and not necessarily what it's going to be like but what you need to do um i have a question and um so you were talking about resentments um i have a bucket load right now and i feel like they're really tearing me down and um just yeah just holding me back from things that i want to do um I'm not on step four yet so i'm not making my list of resentments um but do you have any advice for like in the in the moment, like when you have a resentment and you're not sure what to do with it, like how you can kind of lift that a little bit. Sometimes I sponsor people and we're like very early on and they have these big resentments against key people in their lives. So I just say, get to step four as quickly as possible. And it should, no reason why it can't be done in a week or two. I sponsor similar to the way the early AA members did. Quickly, this is like emergency room uh, response to my disease. And then I have the rest of my life to like leisurely, I don't know, take a, do a step four study that takes five years, you know? Um, but when I'm in that critical stage, so, and they said, but you don't understand. I said, so, so try not to like do, make any major life changes. Don't, don't marry, get divorced or have any babies while you're like in the middle of the steps, because that should really only take a few weeks, right? Just hold up, um, you know, you know, go for a jog. Um, and, and, and then you're going to have a way to address all that, right? 
like if if one uh, the idea is that we haven't been restored to sanity until we finish our steps, so it's not the time to be making big decisions. It's the, it's the time to like just just do what we have to do. Um, so uh, I mean, I guess one could you could pull out a I don't know a step four worksheet from the off the internet and see if that helps a bit. But I I I would just move quickly. The steps that were not meant to be leisurely. Um, uh, you know, uh, like gone through. They're they're meant to uh, look at the early AA co-founders and the subsequent you know early AA members. It was you know a few days, a few weeks. Um. So yeah, and then get through them, and then all you know all you have to do is change the way a little way of thinking, and on how many resentments melt after that, right? Once you realize that I don't know, you're here to serve and not to get, then it's like, oh, well, all those things that I wanted, or you're here to serve higher power, not people. You know, getting validation from them. Let's say that's one of the you know ideas that you've discarded. That getting validation somehow is like one of my goals, or you know, is going to provide me with security. You know, validation from other people, and you realize no, it's my relationship with higher power. Then like then all the 77 people that you've been resenting the last 10 years who haven't been kind of, you know, giving you what you want melts away. So uh, it's not such a glamorous answer because it's probably not what you wanted to hear, but that's what worked for me. So good luck with that. Tell your sponsor to get a move on that. <laughs> thank you, Fallon, for the question. And thank you, Esther, for that answer. Next up, we'll have Roberto. Hello, Roberto, compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Esther, thank you so much for your service. Um, start my timer. Um, I think I have a question here. I'm going to try to formulate it the best that I can because it's unclear to me. Uh, but you you said something that um, I just, I never thought of it that way. You said that resentments are from the past and uh, fears um, from the future. Um, something along those lines is what I understood. Uh, and it made so much sense. Um, and I um, struggle with being in the present. Um, you know, I, I just struggle being in the present. And um, I wonder, as I was trying to think what I wanted to ans um, ask you, um, I wonder if it's more kind of like getting the answer that, that um, you know, the, the, the need to step away um, is because of a fear. Uh, when I when I when I am fantasizing about being someone that I'm not, um, it's probably because I have a fear that I'm not good enough as I am in the present. Um, because the moments that I do spend in the present, which is like when I play sports, I don't care if I lose, I don't care if I win, I don't care if anyone is watching. I love it so much that I just I I just I am in the present. I enjoy it. Um, I'm, I don't I don't I don't have a resentment if I lose. Um, I don't have fear of losing, and, and for that reason, I'm in the present, and I love doing that. Um, now, I don't get to do that in every area of my life. So here's my question. Did you struggle, or do you still struggle with having to step away from the present? Um, and if so, how do you pull yourself back into the present? The present always pulls me back, because there's always something that I really should be doing. Um, my sponsor many years back told me that fantasizing about things I want, even if they're like supposedly good things and worthwhile things, she she felt it's contrary to what we're supposed to be doing. I'm not, uh, I don't think she meant one shouldn't dream 
about doing things, but, um, you know, fantasizing about like all the ways that my instincts are going to be satisfied, whether with honor or with relationships or, or something like that. She just felt it wasn't in line with what we're taught to, to that we're here for to be of service. Now, this thing about being good enough, I, I think it's a distraction. And I think it's another way where people in a nice way, um, in a socially acceptable way, get to be thinking about themselves a lot. Um, because there's people, let's say like me, who are self-centered and take a more of a bully, like, uh, you know, strong approach. And then there's the people who like, I was like, so self-conscious and oh, I don't know if I'm good enough, right? It's still all thinking about yourself. So the big book teaches over and over that you're here to serve. Now, the thing about being good enough, so what if I'm not good enough? What do I have to be good enough for? I just have to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I could tell you that I'm not good at 100,000 things, but it doesn't matter if I don't know how to skate and can't play football and can't and can't and can't. can't. It doesn't matter. I'm not good enough. Like, the, the point is, is it is that every moment in my the will of high power, and that in the end is going to bring us the greatest satisfaction. No amount, the big book tells us of pomp, actually it's in the A12 and 12, in the last chapter, chapter 12, no amount of pomp or ceremony or accomplishments is going to give us that feeling of security that we're looking for. It's just not, we've all tried it, especially those of you who are driven achievers. It just does not. However, knowing that we're um, living alongside, like according to the, guidance of our higher power that brings us the greatest self-esteem not every people telling us they love us not looking in the mirror saying i love you i love you i love you love you not counting how many times our parents did or didn't tell us that we were beautiful we were loved whatever it's living the life that we're meant that we that we sense that 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 has been laid out for us and it's going to look different for some of us some of you are going to make it to the front page of the new york times for all your great accomplishments and the, the rest of us are just going to mostly be like you know um one among many, just doing the daily whatever. So don't worry about if you're good enough. Just ask yourself, have I done? Am I doing today what I'm supposed to be doing today? And uh, you know, hopefully that helps. Uh, thank you so much. Just uh, Victoria, would you stop the recording? <laughs>